3: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. The Omicron surge continues to hit parts of California particularly hard, but there are signs that its impact may be waning. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, average daily new coronavirus cases have dipped in the Bay Area by about 4 percent compared to last week. That being said, the state isn't out of the woods yet. Hospitalizations continue to rise in Southern California, the Central Valley, and the Sacramento region. The California Report's Keith Mizuguchi spoke to Dr. Eric Topol, professor of molecular medicine at Scripps Research in La Jolla, about what we can learn from other countries that have had better success in responding to the spread of Omicron.
2: The booster is really a key. We haven't been able to make much of a dent in the unvaccinated, but the booster changes the protection, the vaccine effectiveness, which is only about 50% without a booster, to 90% with that third shot. So it's really essential. I mean, it's almost a doubling of protection against severe disease. The booster uptake is only about 23% in the United States. And that compares very unfavorably with many countries in Europe that are over 55, even 60% right now, and are holding up very well against Omicron for hospitalizations and fatalities. Important to
4: note about the boosters because I myself know a few people who have gotten the booster shot and who have tested positive recently. I'm sure you have as well. It's not a guaranteed protection against getting the virus still. It's more so protection against serious illness, right?
2: Yeah, this is a real important dichotomy. The booster doesn't help much with respect to preventing infections. It's really against this other side, which is the prevention of severe disease, that is, you know, winding up in the hospital or dying. So the booster impact there is actually profound. And it essentially is restoring the same effectiveness with three shots as we saw with the original virus two years ago with the two-shot regimen. So we're very lucky, in fact, that we have such a, a remedy for a version of the virus, Omicron, that has changed so substantially from where we started with the pandemic.
4: One of the biggest debates right now in the state of California is what to do with schools. There are rising cases among teachers and staff. There are rising cases among kids and rising hospitalizations of kids in California, I looked at the state database and the 5 through 11 age group. I think I saw 70% have not received even one dose of the vaccine yet. How discouraging is all this?
2: It's very disturbing that we have such a low rate of vaccination among children ages 5 to 11. The data for the safety is simply remarkable. In nearly 9 million vaccine doses in this age group there are only 12 cases of myocarditis, and those were self-limited. And so there's no justification on a safety standpoint to not have children vaccinated. But also, what about the efficacy? We know that long COVID can occur in children, perhaps a half or a third as much as an adult, but that's a big issue that can be a very important problem longer term for children. In addition, we want to keep schools open. We want to prevent secondary attacks, not just in parents, grandparents, but the network of the children who can certainly transmit, even though most of the time their own illness is mild. It's very troubling that we have not embraced the use of vaccines among children ages five to 11.
4: When it comes to people testing positive, there's been a lot of confusion about what they should do now. Should they quarantine for five days, 10 days? Should they test and make sure they get a negative test result? What have you found in some of the research that's around the globe that were countries that have had success in terms of isolating people? What is, in your opinion, the best recommendations right now for people?
2: Well, the way it works in many countries that have relied on rapid tests is that the isolation goes on at least five days or six days, and then the rapid test can be done. It have to be negative two days in a row to consider that someone is ready to leave isolation. So that, I think, is the best practice. There are substantial data to back that up. We know that most people will not have, at five days, uh, a negative test. They're not ready. About a third are not ready uh, of recent study uh, at five days. So you can start screening there, but it, it, the chance of having two days with a negative test really helps the accuracy of those tests and the safety of going back with other people and not being infectious.
4: Dr. Topol, thanks so much for your time today. We
2: appreciate it. Thank you, Keith.
3: Sacramento County is seeing an unprecedented surge in COVID-19-related hospitalizations. As of Sunday, nearly 550 COVID-positive patients are in county hospitals there. That breaks the record of 518, which was set during the winter surge in 2020. Hospitalizations have more than doubled in just the past two weeks as the Omicron variant continues to drive more transmission in the community. County health officials are urging residents not to call 911 or visit emergency rooms for mild cases of COVID or to simply get tested.
5: Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area, its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners.
3: For the first time starting this year, agricultural employers in California, like farmers and farm labor contractors with 26 or more employees, have to pay their workers overtime after an eight-hour day or 40-hour week. While farm worker advocates are celebrating this change, as Valley Public Radio's Mari Bolaños reports, it's also created some unintended consequences. Lourdes Gardenas has worked in the fields
0: in the San Joaquin Valley for two decades. In the past, she says she would sometimes work up to 10 extra hours a day without getting paid overtime. Sometimes that meant having to pay babysitters for the extra time she spent in the fields. She says that would stretch their paychecks, sometimes making it harder to pay the rent or buy groceries. She says they are workers like everyone else, but they weren't valued like the others until now. Heriberto Fernandez with the United Farmworker Foundation says farmworkers have been excluded from overtime benefits since the Fair Labor Standard Act of 1938.
2: Back then, agricultural workers, were mostly African-American workers, and they were excluded from the New Deal. It's now Mexican-American farm workers that are mostly picking our fruits and vegetables. And the same rule, you know, continued. This injustice continued.
0: He says it's taken 80 years to expand these benefits to farm workers.
2: It's a very historic and momentous occasion for farm workers that they now, in the First time in the history of agricultural labor, they have the same rights as all other Californians do.
0: And he says farm workers will be able to spend more time with their families. Before this law, farm workers usually work 10 hours a day or 60 hours a week. But Ryan Jacobson with the Fresno County Farm Bureau says these new requirements will push many farmers to limit workers' shifts to 8 hours a day or 40 hours a week to avoid paying the overtime. And Jacobson says it's not just farmers who could benefit from these longer weeks. There are seasons when working longer hours, some parts of the year, make up for the other times.
5: When they aren't able to work because there's not as much availability of farm agricultural work than there is at other times.
0: He says since the passage of this law, growers have started replacing some of their more manual labor crops like citrus fruit with mechanized crops like nuts. Back at Lourdes Cardenas' house in Fresno, her partner Erasmo Venegas is just coming home from a day in the fields trimming almond and pistachio trees. He says he's worried about these new changes. He used to work six days a week, but he says now his employer isn't allowing it. He says it's bad. They're only giving them 40 hours, and it's just not sufficient. He says he might take on a second job on Saturdays to make up for the lost income. But Lourdes Cárdenas is optimistic that come spring, farmers will have to pay farm workers overtime, or they won't be able to complete their harvests.
3: For the California Report, I'm Adi Bolaños in Fresno. And that story was part of the Central Valley News Collaborative, which is supported by the Central Valley Community Foundation with technology and training support by Microsoft. Now to a community feeling outsized impacts from the pandemic. The San Gabriel Valley east of Los Angeles has one of the highest concentrations of Asian residents in the country. But a new survey indicates a pandemic's worth of racist incidents has many there feeling shaken. KPCC's Josie Huang has more.
5: About a third of respondents said either they or a relative had to deal with a verbal or physical attack or discrimination. June Lim helped conduct the survey for Asian Americans Advancing Justice LA and the Asian Youth Center. Here's one of the responses she got.
2: To experience racism in an area that's predominantly API shows that we're not really safe anywhere, even at home.
5: South Pasadena resident Hannah Chang would agree. Last year, she was charging her electric car at a station when another driver, impatient with the wait, swore and called her a racial slur. Chang got to thinking about her children who are biracial.
0: Would they be in some harm's way by association, by being with me? And I think that gave me pause to think How can I protect my children?
5: The survey follows a 2021 report showing the hate crime rate against Asian residents in L.A. County was its highest in two decades. For The California Report, I'm Josie Huang.
3: And that's The California Report for Tuesday, January 18th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
0: Support for The California Report comes from Paint Care now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor, personalcapital.com, and Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures. Focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com.
3: Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes
4: the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California